Welcome to Geared for Growth. This week we're chatting with Luke Moroni, who's a director of first-time property investing and search party property buyers agent. We have a chat to Luke about how he has been able to get to the point where he has a portfolio of 30 properties, the mistakes that he's made along the way, including why it took him nine years to buy his second, and some great advice on taking action and mindset. Luke's got boundless energy and it's a very engaging listen, and I think you'll get a lot out of it. Here's Luke. Luke Moroni, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be on with you. Now, I wanted to, to just kick off with a, a bit of an introduction. Can you let us know exactly who you are and what you specialize in? Yeah, so my name is Luke Moroni. I am um, first and foremost a property investor and I have grown my experience and my, my knowledge and skills through what I've done personally and then generated it into a business where I was mentoring, coaching clients, first-time investors to help them avoid the mistakes of the first-time investor normally makes and that I made. And then recently, I've joined up um, with uh, my business partner who's located in Brisbane, and we are running a buyer's agency um, to facilitate the actual purchase of a property. Fantastic. And I'm looking forward to diving into all of that uh, and some of your particular strategies and mindset around that. Before we go any further, though, I've got to know what was on the bedroom wall as a kid growing up. Yeah, it was probably a little bit of a cricket. Cricket um, was a big, uh, big focus for me when I was um, a youngster. So photos of Mark Waugh was elegant batsman um, in my in my time through the 80s. And also a bit of Bon Jovi, you know, a little bit of air guitar type of situation when I was younger, rocking it out. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. And Mark Waugh was absolutely glorious with his leg side play. You've got mm. good taste in cricket players there. <laughs> so, so talk about uh, how, how you got started with your first property. I understand that um, you, you learn a bit from that first one. What, what was it and, and, and how did you actually begin your property investing journey? Well, you know, I was working at the time. I'd been in my job for about four or five years and it came to a point where I'd seen my brother do well at an investment in Western Sydney and um, I, I guess it was a, a time that, you know, our parents gave me a little bit of a nudge to suggest that I think about wealth creation. Uh, so, I went out and looked to purchase a property out in, in very close to where I live and it's probably one of the big mistakes that often first-time investors make and I made that mistake as well and I went out in the suburb of Blacktown to purchase my property and I didn't really know what I was looking at or what I was looking for and the reasons why I was doing it. It was just like, okay, I, I need to make find ways to make money. Um, I didn't know exactly why or how it was going to happen. Um, just a case of just getting in there to dive in and, and take that first plunge to make, um, to make that first investment. So I, I end up purchasing that property and um, I... As a result, I, I, I actually put myself in a position where I managed that property as well instead of going to a property manager to assist in that regards. So I had all the normal, all the, um, all the issues that you know, self-managed people, especially with their first investment properties, tend to make. Um, and I was in a position where I, um, tenants weren't paying rent, tenants 
didn't, um, you know, left without notice and, and then damaged the property. So I had them all. And then I got to the situation where that particular property was bought at the peak of the market and it was back in 2002. So I didn't really have any growth for about nine or 10 years in that particular property. But you did actually hold on to the property because I know Blacktown later on became a pretty solid growth market. Yeah, it definitely did. And I did hold on to that property. I don't have it in my portfolio now. That's probably another story for another day. <laughs> but, uh, but in terms of, yeah, I did get that growth later on. So between the um, 2012 um, to up to 2015, there was some uh, definitely had some growth in that particular property. So obviously you were, you were hell-bent on looking after it all yourself. What would you change about the, the process you completed your first time around and, and how has what you've learned shaped your approach as a property investor and as a property mentor? Well, definitely uh, the first and foremost was about the team of people around me. Um, you know, I, you know, I refer to it right now as uh, having a team around you, taking some action, and then having some patience, which you know I'm wearing on my shirt and <laughs> t-shirt that I wear often. Um, so those on the podcast might not see that, but um, um, you know, I've also talk about you know the whole thing about you know you have that hustle and but have that patience. So for me, it's like turning on a tap. So having the team of people around you, um, using that acronym, team, action, and patience. So that was a big one for me to focus on if, if I was going to do it differently the next time. So I wouldn't have picked to purchase in Blacktown back in 2002 if I had the team around me. Um, the good thing about it, I did take some action and I learned from those mistakes that I made. Um, and I did have that patience. So the only thing lacking for me in that situation, if I look at that acronym, is really having the team of experts around me. And that's what prevented me from making any growth for nine years in the property and, and coming up with all those issues that I had with tenants. Thankfully, you, you did have the, the, the patience to hold on and the patience mm. to get back involved because I, I know it took you, I think it was nine years to buy your second property and, and a, lot of, a lot of investors have the same problem. They, they, they aren't getting the first property right or they may have to be patient and wait for growth. Um, how, how much can, can that set back your investment journey getting that first one wrong? Uh, look, I, I think we, you know, especially if you're starting young, I, I was only at 24 years old. Yes, it can set you back, but I think it's good to actually have that in that position to you've taken action. And I think I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't take that action and learn from my mistakes. So yes, it can set you back, and you want to get, you want to be in a with a team of experts who have been there, done that. And have the experience and know where to buy and um, follow through that journey of, of having that investment property. So it can it did set me back quite a number of years to get things started, but it also taught me quite a lot, a lot of lessons. So there's a contrarian um, you know views on both those sides, um, but you still want to make sure that you are taking action first and foremost, and then you do have that team of experts. So it is holding a lot of people back and getting into their second and third. And I think with a lot of people, if they don't have that patience, then they're in a situation that they, um, you know, skip from idea to idea and, you know, they're probably not learning from their mistakes that they're making because they're looking to the next new thing that's coming out. Yeah, look, I think you're right. We've had people on the podcast say that one property um, is actually worse than no property because 
chances are that means that you've made a mistake because you know you haven't got to the second or third we've also heard people sort of say that getting the first one right can be dangerous because you go into the next couple with this inflated confidence you can easily make those sort of poor decisions so yeah it's interesting to to hear that you you see that as a as a positive learning experience rather than than a loss or a setback even um, the fact um, with mike um you know it's something like one in five property investors sell their properties within the first year so it's quite incredible to sort of hear that those stats now i would imagine that you know a high percentage of those people are just impatient or um you know uh, or their you know situations happen in their life and and they're off they're often selling those properties within a year at a loss Patience is, is a good theme for property investing and, and yes, it, this is a hard uh, medium to see T-shirts but if you do look up Luke on Facebook, you will see him in his Patience T-shirt. Now, since you reached out to, to property experts and your property team to assist you, how, how important has that been and, and, and who do we need in our team sort of tool belt? Yeah, it's been vitally important. I. <laughs> You know, trying to do investment property on your own, like many things in your life, even if you, you use the analogy of going to the gym and, you know, having a personal trainer and the, the vital importance of actually not being injured as a, as when you're going to the gym or actually, you know, sticking to a diet, having that accountability, those things all ring true the same, exactly the same in property investing. And it looks from the, from the surface, an easy thing to to actually get involved in. You you know save some money. Um, you ask for a loan, and then you go out and see a real estate agent and ask for that property to invest in, and then you pay your money and you get a tenant in. It all seems pretty simple, but it's a lot more complicated than that. And it can mean the difference in between. Obviously, with my first experience of having one property and not being able to go again for another nine years or having a situation where you, you're able to rinse and repeat and you've got, you know, I could have had, you know, three or four properties in that time if I was buying the right property at the right time. So those people that are in your team, you know, all the way from an experienced accountant, um, you know, there's a lot of accountants out there that don't invest in, in property. So you probably want to get someone who actually invests themselves and they have a complete understanding. So they can be integral in those meetings that you have with the other team members as well. They can come from a point of view of their own experience and, and ask those questions. But it's not only doing the tax return and it's strategizing for you as well. So that's one, one member. Uh, your solicitor or conveyancer, um, I tend to um, go with a solicitor more often than not uh, with my um, conveyancing in terms of property investing and uh, especially can come in, in well if something does go wrong and then they can represent you as well down the track or have a deeper knowledge of you know, how things work as well. Then you get into some of the purchasing, uh, the people that are involved in the purchase, so the mortgage broker. Um, I you know, truly believe that they're, they're um, worth their weight in gold and you know, people are often in the situation going to banks direct. Um, mortgage brokers provide you with so many options and um, they're talking to, uh, to the banks and lenders on a daily basis, so why not get them involved in that process? And then um, look, looking to the situation, especially for um, a first-time investor, do you need someone who is going to be by your side all the way through the purchase and, and look, at it, look at it from an independent point of view? 
And, you know, that's where a property mentor or a coach comes into that. And also not only working with a purchase but also working with your mindset. And I believe for me it's something like when it comes to property investing, I feel like it's a situation where we're 80% that it's mindset related and 20% where it's property knowledge, especially if you've grown a little bit of your property knowledge over time. So I think it's a mindset thing for most people, when, especially when they're getting started. And then it comes to you know looking at a buyer's agent or someone who is sourcing out that property for you to make sh- make you purchase. So it's not just one member of the team. I you know group with a whole lot of other people, and then the key is for each of those experts is for them to have their own experience in property investing themselves, especially in the field that you're looking to invest in. Some great, some great advice there, Luke. And it's easy to think of, you know, your accountant, your solicitor, but we don't often think about someone to help us with mindset. And uh, obviously, that's a that's a key part of it as well. And and something that I I know that you really specialise in. I, I want to talk a bit about your, I guess your your early days where you were a seminar junkie. You were reading property mm-hmm. books, uh, magazines. You were you were disseminating a lot of information. How, how much of the information out there in the marketplace? And there is a lot. Can we trust and do you have any tips on where to find the best quality uh, content or, or how to, to find an expert that you think is worth following? Yeah, um, like yeah, I attended so many seminars. You've got to see, you know, the people that you resonate with and, you know, and having a deeper understanding and a deeper control about your emotions, uh, self-awareness, you know, self-belief. And, and sometimes you probably need to do some of that personal development first before you get into dealing with some of the experts that are involved in property investing. Um, one way that I found, you know, work with the experts that I did work with was about their, you know, what their clients were saying at the time. And that was a big factor for me, seeing the level of properties that that individual, the clients had in their own portfolios was a big step for for me to have you know confidence in that particular expert to say that they were able to provide a really good service and and could help me on that journey um i'm just trying to remember the second part of your question there oh Hi. yeah i mean it's just about finding quality content obviously um resonating with people that have, that have achieved success and and match with your own sort of ethics and values and that sort of stuff but yeah how do we find people that are worth following and and, and avoid some of the the sharks that are in the water Sure. I would suggest for anyone to go to every property seminar that they can or every mindset seminar that they can do, you're always going to learn off the people that are there. Um, They'll, you know, even if there is a shark out there, they'll they'll always have a word of advice that you can learn. What you've got to do yourself is then ask the people in the audience, uh, you know, what their experiences with those people are. You know, try and get to that point where you actually ask people who have actually transacted properties or done masterminds with them or done courses related to what they're talking about. So, and, you know, one thing that I, and sometimes you get really excited when you're in these seminars is, and they often get you to run down to the back. And I prevented myself in doing that sort of thing and, and running to the back when there's a situation where they're trying to sell something for to you um, on that night or in that 
um, during that day. So, so you have to be aware of what people, their agendas are, that are those people on stage, but you can get a good indication from the people that are attending the seminar and then go to a number of seminars and see what really resonates with you. And I guess having a little bit of work on that self-awareness and self-belief, then you might be able to pick and choose you know, on the back of the intuition that you do have on actually who's going to work best for you, um, who can you trust. So, you know, really having a big belief in, in yourself to say who you're going to trust. And maybe you start out with something very small when you're using those experts for the first time. So in terms of property, you know, uh, using a buyer's agent for the first time, I chose a property that was $180,000. So if there was going to be an issue with it down the track, well, then I, you know, it's not a big loss for me. Instead of choosing a property that was five hundred dollars or $800,000, you, know, um, you know, having that risk involved in it was a big factor for me to make sure that I'm not, um, you know, taking too much of a risk, especially with using someone new that I wasn't fully aware of. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I guess if you're thinking of attending a course that costs five or ten or fifteen thousand dollars, and that person has a book, maybe get the book first. <laughs> there's a there's a limited amount exactly. of damage, and and yeah, always be wary of for, for what's on sale at the back of the room for a limited time only. I guess. Mm. Luke, you're a, a bloody energetic looking bloke on Facebook. I've seen you cutting <laughs> some impressive shapes in the intros. Um, I presume yes. that that is what your life's about. Um, I saw you run. On the the GC marathon, how how do we get some of this energy? Where does it come from, and and how do you think that has influenced your enthusiasm for investment and business? Well, I, I guess I'm you know especially over the last probably four or five years, I've really dived into the personal development journey for myself, and it's made me realise about you know, what is, what is it all about? You know, what's my purpose? What's my vision? What's, what are my goals? And, you know, I'm constantly reviewing what's going on in my life and, you know, seeing what I can do next uh, to, you know, better myself or put myself in a position where I'm, you know, looking at other ways where I can, you know, contribute back, you know, have more fulfillment about myself personally. So I do those things like running the Gold Coast Marathon and I'm actually, that actually started out by putting myself in a position of running seven kilometers every day. And then um, my personal trainer actually challenged me to do the marathon on the back of that. So I still remain in doing that seven kilometers of running per day. But that was an added addition to that that um, exercise. Um, <laughs> mind the pun on that one. But um, yeah, so it, it, like high energy is is something that has really come out. Of, you know, I think you know maybe it was it was instilled with me. Uh, you know, I was born a little bit that way when I was a kid, and you know, at some times that's been suppressed. I, I would say, and you know, through your personal development journey. Uh, I've really come about of, you know, bringing that back to the forefront because that's who I really am. And I guess that's what we've got to be aware about because there are times in our lives that we go, do go through struggles or we, you know, people say no or we get rejected or whatever it might be that really brings us down into a, you know, a, you know, a small, small little uh, rock or whatever you might call it. And, you know, it's about our abilities to really explore who we are and that's who I am and being a high energy person has really resonated with me so I've you know 
put myself on a, quite a few challenges and you know even those through those little struggles that I have I you know bounce out the other side and uh, I'm you know really positive in that way and I just think in life I just want to put myself in a position where I'm exploring all the avenues that I have and taking on all the challenges that I can and I kind of almost wish there was like three of me sometimes but <laughs> It is, um, you know, I just want to do more and be more and you know, live more. So, um, you know, that sort of comes through with the other things about, you know, looking to see how I can contribute now and how, you know, I've been able to grow a property portfolio and, you know, I'm, I'm making income out of that. I'm starting new businesses. But, um, you know, how can I give back as well? And and I always think about giving you know, as an added thing, but giving with without expectation. So there's a, you know, there's you know, you see so many people, great people out there that actually are doing that on a daily basis. And I just, if I can just add value to at least one person, then you know, I, you know, it's it's just feels so it feels so good. I think it's fantastic. It's definitely infectious, and uh, you're you're walking the walk. I saw you giving blood the other day, and it's a it's a powerful idea. When it's amazing, sort of what we can achieve when we become who we really are. But it sounds a little mm. bit wanky for me to say because that's not normally the way that I roll. But I think you're right that people get forced into little little boxes, or they get rejection, and it stops mm. the natural side of them coming out. Um, speaking of your natural side or this may be unnatural for you um the long list of firsts for you in the past year i read you've been into cryptocurrency commercial property mm -hmm. development skydiving and drifting <laughs> now yes. those aren't all necessarily complementary skills what on earth are you up to luke oh look it's it's about taking on new challenges and experiencing things in life because you i guess you never know i think a big a big thing for uh, a lot of people and something that I, I do hear a lot from some of the people that I follow on other, you know, other podcasts and, and is, you know, finding out what your purpose is and uh, what you want to achieve for yourself. And by trying a number of different things, you, you kind of see what, what's going to resonate with you, what you really enjoy, what, you know, what brings a smile to your face, what maybe brings a tear to your eye. So... Um, you know, by trying out all these things, I can experience, uh, you know, what actually feels good for me. And I think without actually doing all those things, you're not really going to know. So, you know, drifting as an example for me, it's just like I'm not really a car guy, but I just thought, well, let me give it a go and see what it's like. And I'm not very good at it at all. <laughs> But um, and I just probably can't see myself going back to do something like that again. But at least I gave it a go, and you know, was trying something out for the first time, and not something that I've, it's really resonated with me in the past. So, um, but on the on the flip side, doing some of the things, um, you know, and it probably was a first for me in through last year. Um, maybe not so much in this year, but working with um, mental health has been a big one. And, you know, I talked about that mindset and the personal development journey that I've been on. And I actually take, you know, calls at Lifeline now uh, as a volunteer. Wow. And that was something, you know, really big for me through last year as a first for me and getting that started, doing the training and now taking calls on a regular basis um, in a call center in the city and, 
and that was really something that resonated with me and how I live my life and how I can potentially give back to others. I think that's fantastic, Luke. I, I, I want to talk to you about a word that you mentioned before and that was hustle. And I can see that mm. you're hustling. Um, and I know that uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's a, an influencer of yours. What, what is it about Gary that, um, that resonates with you? I, it just gets in and does it. There's no... I just, you know, there's a lot of people that come through with excuses or reasons why they don't want to do it. And it's just about getting in and doing the hard work. Take, and, um, taking action, as you mentioned before. It's massive. Take, but, yeah, and taking massive action. Tony Rowland says it as well, and I've seen him and, and watched his event, been to his events as well. And it, it is about, you know, hustling day to day, but having the patience for the long term. So I guess those two things really resonate with me. You know, a lot of things that he says, you know, really, well, probably, you know, it's probably up there of 99%, 99.9% of things that he says really resonate with what I'm all about and have lifted me to another level. So I kind of think in the back of my mind after listening to all his podcasts and videos and so forth, what would Gary do in this situation? So it's something that I can think about for myself that gets me a little bit motivated on that day, a little bit more inspired, and then how I can do things a little bit differently. So, um, you know, I, I just think if you want to make something of yourself and you, wa you want to look for that success or you really want to follow that true passion for yourself, it is about the daily hustle, um, working hard and whatever it takes, and then having some patience for what's going to happen in future because you you never know how where your life's going to lead yeah i guess a lot of people make it look easy but behind the scenes there's a lot of effort that goes into it and i've someone said the other day the harder i work the luckier i become because uh, it looks like luck from the outside but yeah it's interesting to hear your insights there let's well, get there's no overnight success like you know there's people don't there's no over, overnight success so Let's yeah. let's get on to the to the property stuff. I, I know you mentioned that you've you've got a, a buyer's agency, but I, I guess what you do is not necessarily just going out and purchasing a property for an investor. You you you're a little bit more of a of a mentor. Can you tell us about how you help people and maybe share some of the results of some of your clients? Sure. So when in terms of you know when clients come through. You know, you really want to you want to focus on you know what what are some of the reasons why or what are the reasons why they're actually getting involved in property, um, and the the stronger the motivation that they have or the deeper the why for that. And I know Simon Sinek talks about why in his in his um TED uh, TED talk, and I think if you have that strong motivation, the more likely you are of achieving that goal. So it's really you know, set the gold and then, you know, reverse engineer that gold and, you know, look back about if you set that five-year gold, what is it going to look like in three years' time and in, in 12 months' time and what, what can you do today um, or each day to actually work towards that path of achieving that goal. Uh, and so we, I, look a lot, I look at that a lot with clients and looking at the mindset of even people with their relationship with money, because um, I think that's what holds a lot of people back, um, whether they're spending too much, um, whether they, they, 
they don't have a, a good affinity with money or they're over, you know, overuse of credit cards or they don't know wise ways to use money and how to transfer money to make it to their advantage. So it is a money thing. It is a mindset thing. Um, it is, you know, and then influencing them about what the benefits of having that team of experts around you. So there are a couple of things that I work with clients on. And then when it comes to client stories, I know one particular client had a property um, overseas and they were tying, uh, completing all that deal to move money back to Australia. And it was their first dive into investment properties in Australia. And it worked out that we ended up buying two properties at the one time. So um, it was a massive achievement for this particular person who um, was, was afraid of making their first purchase. So they actually come to me and it was about six months later that they actually signed on as a client. And um, we end up organizing two deals and they end up settling in the, in the same week after one was a little bit delayed. So. Um, as a result of that, they've now got you know tenants in there from from pretty much actually they were from day one, and um, you know all is going going well at the moment. So they've only been in in with that particular property. It's somewhere between um, eight and ten months. So wouldn't talk about the the growth at this stage, but yep. in terms of being successful, making that purchase, um, it all really went well. That sounds fantastic, and what a milestone to be able to, to transact to in, in that short space of time. Can mm. we, we've talked a little bit about where you're at in, in life. Where, where are you at in, in, profit, in property? Are you still accumulating? Are you adjusting your loan to value? Are you going to sell them up and retire? What, what, what are you up to at the moment? I don't think I'll ever retire, Mike. So. <laughs> I got that impression. I don't, know, I don't know what it was, but it comes through pretty clear. Yeah, um, I think in terms of my property portfolio is, uh, well, I should say my wife and I's property portfolio sits at 30 right now. So, really happy with the growth in and the experience that we have gained over purchasing those properties over time. Oh, wow. In terms of the portfolio and how it's looking now, I'm actually looking to sell two particular properties at this stage and um, cash out on those investments and then look to... Uh, start a little bit of a journey in terms of property development for myself as well and taking that next step. And, you know, it's been a long time coming in terms of like a lot of people get into property development from day one. But I, I just think building that base of property portfolio, knowing all the experience that I've had now, and I previously was a strata manager as well um, back when I was employed, um, having that experience as well has led me to a position where I feel a lot more comfortable about doing property development right now. And I just think with all the team that I've been building through the years that has allowed me to get to that stage where I can, you know, with, with um, the least amount of risk in terms of where I'm at at the moment to take on a development project. So, cashing in to start that journey. I think that's some some good advice. A lot of people want to be uh, renovate. Oh, sorry, I should say developers straight away. You know, playing the monopoly game, but it does mm -hmm. take a lot of experience and and there is a lot of risk involved in it. And it sort of leads to the next question. I was interested if there's a particular strategy that you favour. Obviously, you're moving into into the developments now, but are you a buy and renovate, subdivide, subdivide blue chip, commercial buy and hold, flipper? Is there anything that you sort of I guess put your name to as the the strategy that has worked best for you. 
Mm. So I don't think I'm, I'm the type of person that gets my hands dirty too often. <laughs> I'm more on the communication side of things, uh, you know, um, organizing people and, and things like that. So in terms of – I don't think it's one strategy that I have – continued on you know through the process already and i don't think there is one strategy that i will continue on for the rest of my life i think it will change and will develop over it will develop over time so you know i've i've um done the buy and hold strategy i'm actually i've also been involved with vendor financing deals um and now um, I haven't really got in. I've done a you know been a part of a renovation on one of my properties not an actual flip but um, a renovation and and then now getting into the development space. And I think that might change over the time with, you know, whatever changes in the markets in future and how, you know, lending is, how the market is and how we transact properties in future. Um, if there is laws that allow for, you know, better ways to flip properties where, you know, you're not paying double stamp duty and things like that on properties. So, um, you know, the, if there is more creative ways to do it, then I will seek those. So I don't think there's going to be a one, one trick pony for me, in terms of my future. What about commercial property? I, I know you've got some experience with commercial. I was I was reading something you wrote recently about commercial. Obviously, they're they're mm. fairly attractive for people wanting to purchase in self managed super. They're generally sort of high yielding. What are some of the tips and traps for people that are looking at chasing those high commercial property yields? Well, I worked on that uh, particular deal, uh, that commercial deal that you're referring to, um, for a client, and it was with someone who um, is a little bit—he's a lot more experienced than myself in the commercial deal. But it was interesting to be a bystander and actually, well, part of the negotiations in in making that purchase. So um, it, it was something that was in a learning experience for me. So it was the first deal that I transacted or being involved with and um, really gave me the, the idea of, you know, what work is actually needed on a commercial property deal as opposed to a residential property deal. So it is a lot more involved. There's a lot of, um, you know, intelligence needed or um, experience needed in terms of looking at leases, in terms of, um, you know, tenants that are there in terms of demographic in the area, um, who might be using those services that are supplied by the tenants that are in there. So, yeah, there's a lot more that is involved in a commercial property transaction. And I think you get, you've got to get your numbers right on that because it is more so based on the cash flow rather than the growth. Not saying that there's growth there in those particular properties. But um, you, you really want to put yourself in a position of definitely making the money on the way in with that, that whole idea about having that cash flow along the way. And on that particular property, we, we were quite successful in negotiating the deal down very well and um, really happy with that particular purchase. Yeah, and I guess that comes it comes down to having a, a great team around you as as well. I mean, if you're looking at lease terms and trying to assess some of the risks inherent with it, you want to have some good people uh, around you. I, I'm interested in in some of the challenges that 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 you and 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 perhaps some of your clients are facing at the moment. I guess you know, with a portfolio of 30 properties, it puts you in probably the the one percenters of of property investors within Australia. For for people that are maybe just starting out or trying 
trying to get that second, third, or fourth. The 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 the, the market and 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 finance is essentially is making it very difficult for people. How, how do we make money in a in a market that is flat or or declining? And and how can we make money in in a market where finance is is difficult to get? Well, I guess most people are looking at ways to manufacture that growth. So that's renovation, a development, uh, you know, and those, those sort of ways to actually look to manufacture your own growth rather than waiting for the capital growth of a suburb or, an, or a city to, to increase. So that's the ways that people, and like you said, there's, there's a whole bunch of uh, restraints on people right now uh, in terms of finance, so it is very difficult for a lot of people. But in saying that, there's still a lot of people out there that haven't been doing anything for quite some time and have cash reserves. So, but it, it is a lot more difficult. Things are a lot slower in terms of transacting properties right now. But I think that might create a little bit of opportunity as well out there in the marketplace. So it's something to be aware of. Uh, look, you know, even in talking in terms of Sydney right now and, and the the slight drops that have happened, if you're an owner-occupier right now looking for a property that you're happy to sit on for 15, 20 years, well, it might be a good time to get into the market or at least, you know, look to source a deal that's going to be, um, you know, even heavily discounted more than the 5% that it's already reduced by. So, you have a lot more bargaining power as a buyer right now in the city market than you did 18 months ago. So I guess a lot, a lot of investors are, are looking at the next hotspot or they're wanting to time the next sort of uptick in the property market. But that you know that's great if that can happen, but markets aren't going to be going up all the time. So this could actually be a, a reasonable environment if you if you can get the finance across the line to actually purchase something something where the days on market are a little bit high. You may be sort of picking up a, a bargain and you know there's time in the market versus timing the market and with them with a man with patience written on his shirt i'm guessing that you're not worried about exactly what the market's doing over the long term you know you're going to get some good results i think um you know it goes back to thinking about when it comes to investing is how can you minimize your risk so that's the first point i look at when we look at look at any investment is there risk in what you're doing so and how can you minimize that risk uh, to the extent where people, you're not, the potential for you to, lo- uh, to lose is just, you know, to the bare minimum. Uh, so looking at affordable markets around Australia often leads us to a point where we're looking at, you know, pl- locations where there's minimal risk because if they live in, in, you know, right in the capital city and they lose their jobs or someone gets ill and they have to, that they can't afford that particular rent or make that that um, property purchase or they can't afford to pay the mortgage, where they're going to move, further out in the suburbs where it's more affordable. And that's a big factor that we look at in terms of, you know, the property that we're purchasing. So it's minimal risk first and then the potential for growth second. So, you know, it's a big factor that I think about because people, you've got to think about at any point in time is who's going to buy that property. I guess the exit strategy and a lot of um, property investing experts talk about that as well is, um, you know, what's your exit strategy out of the property? If you do have to sell in 30 days time, are you going to get your money back or pretty close to that? So that's a big factor. And if you look at, you know, Sydney as an example, if people bought 18 months ago, they're in a situation where the property market has declined, you know, 5%. They'll be in a situation if they had to sell now that they'd, they'd be at a loss. 
So, you know, they're the dangers. People talk about wanting to invest in Sydney because they live here. And, um, and, you know, but you've just got to think, is that the most wise investment that you can make? So looking at affordable areas is a big one, big factor for, for me and uh, in my business. What's the process for, for onboarding with a new client? So say someone's listening to you today, Luke, and they want to get in, involved with you and, and start their investment journey. How, how, do you, how do you sort of begin with them? We have a discussion about we, we get a lot of information out to people, you know, via social media, via you know, email emails out to to potential clients. And then it's about having a discussion with them. So I'll get on the phone. If we have an opportunity to meet clients, we will. And um, but some you know, some people we can either Skype or or actually you know just make just have a phone call about what they're what their ideas and thoughts are and then we get to a stage where if they like some of the things that we're doing then we look to engage them um, in our service with our services so there's an initial engagement fee that they would make to have that commitment and then we would then send them further information about individual properties so they can get a good feel about those properties now if they wanted to go and see those properties themselves we can organize to have someone um drive around with them to to locate those properties or you know view those properties and then it's about going through the process of the purchase and then getting to the stage where once the property becomes unconditional then um, deposit gets paid on that particular purchase and then the the remaining of the buyer's uh, buyer's agency fee gets paid as well. Fantastic. And I, I'd, I'd recommend that uh, there's a lot of good content that you're putting out there, a lot of live uh, Facebook stuff. So some plenty of stuff for, for people to sink their teeth into there. How can people get in touch with you, uh, Luke, if they're wanting to have a chat? Yeah, they can um, go to uh, – so um, – on my on my phone, they can call me direct um, 0400332377, or to my email Luke at searchpartyproperty.com.au, and also they can go to our Facebook page, which is Search Party Property, and they'll see the latest videos that we put up um, almost on a daily basis, you know, once every two days or so that come up on deals that we're looking at right now in the marketplace. So. Basically, they're, they're live deals. If you want to get on board, just basically give us a phone call. Uh, as soon as you, you see a video come up, engage with our services, and then we give you further information, um, video footage of the property, so you can actually get a good sense of whether that purchase is going to be right for you or not. Awesome. And even more importantly, they'll see the T-shirt as well. Um, <laughs> Luke, if there's, this might be a tricky question, but uh, if there's one piece of advice that you could give to to property investors what do you think that would be for me it's just about turning on the tap so having the team of experts around you have taking action and then having patience you know i like that analogy it's just nice and simple for people to remember just turn on the tap get it started um, and then make sure you have that team and patience along those um, lines for you as well I think that's awesome luke thanks very much for for sharing your thoughts and insights with us today it's been a real pleasure Thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate um, the time and also hopefully it's given value for everyone to make their moves, create some wealth and then get to a position where they're having choices in life. It certainly has. Cheers, Luke. Thank you, Mike.